Welcome to River City Church this morning. We're so glad you're here with us in person and online to open our service. We read from the lectionary, which allows us to worship with other churches around the world by reading and reflecting on the same truths of scripture. This morning lectionary's passage comes from Luke 168 through 79. The song of Zechariah, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors, and he has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn of the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Prince of Peace, we seek you as a church. In far off lands, your children flee their homes pursued by violence. In our community, we know not all of our neighbors are safe from brutality. Prince of Peace, we seek you as your children. You sent your son Jesus to bring your peace and comfort to the world. In this season of Advent, renew and strengthen us in a commitment to your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord be with you. <laughs> all right, you all can take a seat if you want. Um, prayers of the people is an opportunity for us to corporately call out to the Lord as a community for the needs in our community and the world. I've collected some items to pray for and will say, Lord, in your mercy, invite you to say, come Lord Jesus, come in response to the end of each prayer in the um, season of Advent. I'll conclude with a time for the body to share prayers quietly or out loud and we'll end with the Lord's prayer. So let's go to prayer. Lord, we pray for the universal church, its members, and its missions, and its mission as we await the celebration of God dwelling among us. May we provide this message of hope to a world that is hurting. Lord, in your mercy, come, Lord Jesus, come. The nation and all in authority, our president, Congress, governor, and mayor, give wisdom and your direction that they may serve justice, promote the dignity and freedom of every person. We pray to you, Lord, in your mercy. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, we pray for the persecuted church, for those who know the risks of what it means to worship you today on Sunday. What They, they know what it means to come to you, Lord, and um, the risk of taking up the cross is very real. We pray for parts of Nigeria where it is a life and death um, part of what they're, they're following you looks like. Look, and we pray for China. We pray for India and areas where they are minimizing the voice of you. Lord, may your voice still come forward all the more in these destitute places, Lord. May you be known in the midst of this persecution, and may your presence be known among those who seek to follow you. Lord, in your mercy, come, Lord Jesus, come. Almighty God, who has created us in your own image, grant us grace fearlessly to contend against evil and to make no peace with oppression, that we may reverently use our freedom to the glory of your holy name. Lord, in your mercy, come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, in this season of Advent, may our hope be found in your presence and your power over death. Remind us of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your son, Jesus Christ, who has been a light in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Lord, in your mercy, come, Lord Jesus, come. Now I invite you to pray for the needs in your life and in your community, quietly or aloud, that we may corporately may lift up the needs among us. So if you want to say something out loud that you want to share for the whole body, you're welcome. So everyone, welcome to River City. We are in the midst of Advent. We've had some friends with us today leading worship. So we just wait, raise your hand if you were leading worship with us today. Thank you. 
they pack, they pack a punch. They pack a bit of a punch, you know. And I very much enjoyed all of it. And so thank you for just being more than friends, it feels like, at this point. Um, you guys have blessed us. So today we're going we're gonna to jump into our second week of Advent. But many of you don't know this, maybe, that most of us, not most of us, about 40 of us, just returned from a retreat that we had to finish off our group season. And so I recognized as I was there, I went early, day one, and I spent around five hours at a lake, which for me is where I experienced Jesus the most, by myself, in the presence of nature, with his spirit. And I could sit as long as nature would have me, or when my schedule requires me to leave. And so I sat and absorbed, and by the time people came, I recognized that I was more full of life, I had more peace, I was not irritated by ridiculous things. These are the kind of things that happen when you create space to get away from whatever is happening in your life. There's something unique that happens when you create space to be away from it. Something unique that is invested within you. And I think those things are actually already there, but it's hard to decipher when we're in the midst of what I would call right now, what makes sense in a minute, our Rome, the, the places of oppression, the places that um, have systems in place that keep us from being alive, which is, is truly the way our lives are formatted as um, Western Christians. It's just the way our culture values is in a system that requires us to do more than we're actually capable to do. And so when we create the space to be away, we're not given something that's only there. We're able to recognize what's always there. Does that make sense? And so I've experienced that. Um, raise your hand if you went with us on this retreat. It's a great time. Games were had, fun was had, laughing was had. We, the, my worst experience watching my favorite team, Alabama, in my life, watching with 39 Georgia fans and one Alabama fan. So I did not once celebrate out loud. I've saved it for now. Because Jonathan's got my back. Get some. And Marcus has got my back. Where's he at? Right there. It's Shannon. All right. Anyway, I digress. That was a strange experience, so i got to be honest. I, when, when anything would happen good, I would just be like, and Christina had an air horn every time they got a sack or anything. So I really, I really am sorry about the loss. It was not good having a service after that loss. Just kidding. It was great. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So Advent is a season. If I would say one word, what is Advent? I would say preparation. So it's leading us toward Christmas time. And that happens on Christmas Day. And up until then, we are in a, in a season of preparation. So what we experience currently is preparation towards Christmas Day, which typically looks like scurrying to purchase our gifts, ordering online, hoping they come in time. They won't, just a forewarning. It looks like getting our houses prepared to feel a certain way. It looks like preparing for relationships that maybe you're trying to avoid because you're going to be with those relationships. It looks like building towards a one-day experience and then moving on, right? But Christmas time actually lasts all the way till Epiphany. It lasts from Christmas Day all the way to the 6th. So at our house, we always celebrate Epiphany, and we do that by marking our door, and we bake this cake, and in the cake there's these little things, and it's a beautiful tradition. But a lot of, historically, Christmas is celebrated from Christmas Day all the way to, to Epiphany. So now we're not in a celebration of Christmas time. We're in preparation time. So what does it look like? to prepare our hearts as current Christians where Jesus has already come. Jesus has come, right? Our, our time frames are built on that. We understand that. So what does it look like for someone who's already received Jesus to continue to prepare the way? Are we able to recognize the places Jesus hasn't yet come or we haven't yet given him access? Are we able to recognize the places in our communities where it's tough for our neighbors to receive Jesus? Are we able to make the mountains low and the valleys high so that there's a smooth runway for the presence of Jesus to come? Are we able to prepare the way? I love the word preparation and I love John the Baptist because of what he represents, right? All our passages today have been so beautiful. The songs all actually fit perfectly. Did somebody prep y'all for that? Jesus did, you know? Amen. 
was, was beautiful. I believe in that God's trying to tell us something. And I'm not going to put more on that than I need to, but I believe he is here. The Spirit is here. And I believe he's asking us not just to prepare the roads, but to prepare our hearts. And that looks different than preparing for Christmas gifts, right? That looks different than spending an absurd amount of money at one time of year, which we all typically do. And so today I want to read you Luke 3, 1 through 6. This is our, our passage. I'm going to read this first, though. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I had Bill prepare a slide about preparation that I was then going to avoid. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, sir. Started early, so now I'm ready. <laughs> that, was not a, that was not a secondary invitation for more, though. I like it. I love you. <laughs> the action or process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration. What is happening? <laughs> okay. Look at, look at Brooke. She just goes like this. No way to, no way to prepare now for what's coming next. I love you. Just enjoy the Lord. Amen. All right, preparation. Let's circle back around. Something done to get ready for an event or undertaking. Specifically for Advent, it's not so much an event, but an undertaking. And so I want to read you Luke. Our passage for today is a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorites. And the first part of it is a little bit tedious, but it's important, and you'll understand it a little bit. In the 15th year of the reign of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Traconitus, and Lysanias, ruler of Albaline. I can't believe I just got through that. That's amazing. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be smoothed out, and all flesh shall see, shall see the salvation of God. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for your word, your lively oracles your invitation into an interaction with your spirit. This book is not just a book about you. This book is you. This book is life. Help us to fall in love with it all over again, God, so that our theology actually looks like yours. Help us to submit to your presence and your living word and create space within our time frames to be with you. Thank you for the word. Thank you today for John the Baptist. In your name we pray. Amen. So just simply, the first part of this passage is anchored in kind of a peculiar setting. There's seven seats of power listed, seven people listed who have authority in either government or in the church. And so it's important as we read it to recognize they're trying to anchor what's about to be said in clear history. Because to Luke, John the Baptist is the hinge that history is hanging upon. He's a prophet from the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, it's kind of interesting, he is in the New Testament, but we haven't seen the coming of Jesus yet, right? So he's this interesting prophet that's kind of doing this. He's bringing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant together, and he's preparing the way not for him, but for someone else. I always have this picture in my mind of John the Baptist baptizing people, and I think I said this last year, but at some point, someone in that line is named Jesus. Someone is standing in the baptism line walking up like this, and it's Jesus. Yeah. It's Jesus walking up to be baptized by John to be anointed. To me, that's the humility of the kind of Savior and God that we serve, the kind that doesn't dominate on a platform, 
but comes in human form and submits to his father, always, always submitting to his father, always for the sake of the other, being filled and giving life and restoration. That's the Jesus that I would like to continue to fall in love with and pursue. And that's the one I hope in this season is brought to life for you. Because to be honest, most of us have a certain picture of Jesus and some of those are just skewed because we're people and we all bring a certain interpretation of what he is, our limited interpretations, and it's not enough. So God gives us word, God gives us community, God gives us the, the alive spirit, he gives us mentors, he gives us the saints of the past. Thank you, St. Patrick, I've told you all, I feel like I was mentored by him last year the monastic communities, how they created space to be alive on the end part of life, not just what work happens in the foundations, but on the end part of life. The place where Jesus really wants access to for formation to happen from the core. So this prepare the way in this passage is not so much about roads. It's about a heart. And it's about a people that recognizes a call to not go be the right ones, but to go experience life in their heart. Because they've recognized that in Rome, it's not enough. It's not enough to have a high position. There are seven people listed in the first part of this passage that are read every year over history and will be. And there are seven people that decided not to prepare the way for Jesus. And I'm not trying to throw shade at these seven people, but I can just assure you that I would not want my name to be one of the names read in the story about people who did not choose to follow the way of Jesus or prepare the way. And I think this is a reminder for us that there are always those of us that would rather be in a seat of power or authority or go after our own ways, even in the church, instead of going to a place where we have to, as John would say, repent or metanoa, which means a reorientation of your heart, a refreshing, a complete turning, but not in a religious way or not in a do this way, but in a grace-filled, invitational way. You see, because when people come out of their normal settings, they're able to experience their brokenness because it's not cluttered, right? And in that brokenness, you can then present that. You can present that to the Father, who doesn't want to show you how bad you've been, who wants to heal you. And he wants to prepare the way for the presence of Jesus to land in your heart so that your life is one that exudes Jesus, lives for Jesus, and looks like Jesus in conduct and character. Christian formation, right? Discipleship is about not where we'll end up. It's not about heaven after death. It's about the kingdom of God and the now. It's about what God desires to do with the life now. And that invitation is the main invitation in Advent for us to prepare the way of our hearts. They used to send a courier. A king would get a courier and he would send them into a city and literally tell them, make these roads right. So they would have to collect a group of people and they would spend months preparing roads so that the king's arrival would be able to get there. So they would build up and they would tear down. This is not just a picture. This is a thing that would happen. But John's taking this and flipping it and he's using it for our heart. And that's beautiful. Because Jesus pursues us within our hearts. Our hearts are the roads. Make ready for the Messiah. But we don't get Jesus incarnated. And we don't get Jesus' life everlasting unless we travel through John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is one guy. Like Jesus gives a message to a man in a wilderness spot. And then the man takes the message, not a cluster of people, and he takes what he receives and the space created back into the areas where culture happens and life happens. And he tells the message from there, there. Not reverse. He doesn't bring city to desert and say, no, here's how we need to build this next desert up. The desert's beautiful just like it is. I'm just telling you right now, lakes are better than buildings. It's not even comparable telling you right now, open fields are better than open sanctuaries. All day, every day for me. John takes what he receives in a space that he can hear and discern. doesn't say how he got there. It's just a dude from the middle of nowhere getting a word from the middle of nowhere, hearing from God, and then being like, I'm going to take this. Doesn't have a team, doesn't have a launch team, a plant team. It's Jay the Bee going into the places. 
And he is not at all ashamed about telling people, your lives are broken. It's not an indictment. It's an invitation. Someone who's coming after me is going to give you life. And he goes back in. See, that's what I think we get mixed up. I used to think that retreats were where highs happen and let's not live that life of highs. Let's be... I now see that those are the spaces that we're able to actually process true life, Zoe from God, the actual things that are happening, the words he's literally saying to us. Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days to distinguish the voice of God, and it actually maps out his calling and the temptations that will actually turn into how he's used. Jesus gets away to pray. Jesus walks away from people who need to be fed right now to go be with his father right now. People say to him, they need you. And he says, I've got to be with my father. Because in the space is created away from our normal lives, the word of God can come to us. And when the word of God comes to us, we can then build our lives around it. But that doesn't happen in the busyness of our Rome, which we live in presently. We live in a present Rome that doesn't look like taxes. Maybe for some it does. I don't know. It doesn't look like we're having to build whatever, but it does have the same trappings. And the invitation to us is to unhurry ourselves, to let Jesus fill us so we're non-anxious present in our communities, that when we're with people and people see us, They see what John experienced in the desert. They see what we experience when we get away from the things that tell us our identities, right? These seven people, these seven seats of power, those are some of the identities people would have died to go after. They would have been the ones that they would have spent their whole life in school to get to a point. All seven of those people do not prepare the way for Jesus because Jesus was calling them to a place that meant obscurity, I remember when we planted the church, there was a word um, given to us a couple times, and then a phrase from John Wimber, who was one of the founders of, I think, Jason, you can speak, yeah, I knew you'd know this one. <laughs> so in the, the, when we were trying to do this, I remember thinking, I'm, I'm a youth pastor at this point, our youth ministry is a great church, God is blessing. Um, I actually think you visited our youth ministry, Eliezer, back in Canton a long time ago, I don't know if you remember that, but you came one time. But I remember when we were stepping away from ministry, the, the phrase that was given to me was, the, the true mark of Christian maturity is the ability and willingness to hand over everything that you've accrued up to that point. Uh, prestige, finance, uh, any type of reputation connected to anything, even spiritual or good, and being able to say, Lord, I'm placing all of this back in your hands. I choose you over these things, and I'm willing to start all over again. And that's what's being asked of us over and over again. Is Jesus enough? Right? Jesus among other gods. Jesus does not want to share his throne with money. He doesn't want to share his throne with your job. He doesn't want to share his throne with a a church culture that wants to build uh, an empire instead of a community. And Jesus is pursuing us and giving us a chance to reorient our calendars in the Advent season saying, try not to prepare your hearts just for Christmas and Santa. What if the people of God prepared the way for Jesus and the story of the gospel to richly fill our homes? What if our kids knew the story? What if they knew, hold your seats. What if they knew the Christian calendar? (gasps) What if they knew that time was not actually oriented like we do here? And that for centuries and centuries, they've been able to celebrate the ways of God throughout the year. What if they knew Jesus' story? What if they knew your story connected to Jesus? What if they knew the Lord's Prayer by heart? Right? What if they sung the doxology at school? That'd be amazing. So, many went out. I'm not going to spend much more time because we have some space. Many went out to meet Jesus. Many did not. Or many went out to meet John the Baptist. Many did not. And those who went out were saying things like this. Ask yourself if you're saying things like this. This is too much. The way that I'm living my life is not helpful. I feel like I'm stuck in a system or a pattern that is bringing death, not life. This is too much. I need more. This will not be enough. 
Those are the people that decided to travel into the wilderness and whatever risks had to be taken to get there, to be with John the Baptist who then said to them, repent. And we don't like that word, but it's just a space to be honest about where we're at. And as we go low, as we say, I'm in need, I'm in need of what you're offering, the humility becomes the founding groundwork for the whole thing to be built. I've said this before, but you don't start your walk with God with pride. You might start with the interaction around pride. He's interacting with you, loving you through it. But our posture is, I evidently, being one of your created, don't know as much as you. And hearing the story of the gospel and how you've pursued us and how your son is being sent, the long-awaited Messiah, the one prophesied about, is coming. I must not know all of the story. I would like to be formed by you in this story so that my life can actually look like what you want it to look like, a non-anxious present for the history of our lives. When I'm 70, and some people here are 70, I do not want to own a lot of things. I would like to be the kind of presence that helps people to know that Jesus loves me and them, and I would love to walk with them. That's the, that's the goal in our life. It's not a platform or a bigger one or a bigger church or a bigger job. The goal is that the people that God brings around you for the, for the rest of your life, whether it's your kids, your spouse, your friends, would experience that Jesus through you without us going after all the other stuff. And this is a season to prepare for that. And so, what would our Rome be? I'm not going to answer this for you. I think you might have a good idea. I think you might have a good idea of what's trapping you. All right? I'm not going to tell you what it is. I think for me, I shared with our group last night, continually, I have this comparison shame conversation that lives within me, comparing to people who I think are farther along or better, and then experiencing the shame that comes with it. That's not Jesus' plan for me. I know that. I don't live it. So I have to go be by a lake for five hours to be reminded of it. That's a literal thing for me. I have to do that every Monday. I have to go to, go to a river and just see that, oh, this river's doing so good, and I didn't do any, I didn't have anything to do with it. Like, these trees are going to, I think they're going to continue. I didn't have anything to do with it. I have to be reminded of the vastness of God and the smallness of Josh. And when I do that, I feel life again, and I'm not a jerk around people. And I love my kids even when they strike out in a game. And I love my kids when they hit a home run. And I love our staff even when it's hard sometimes. And I love our church, and I love my wife, and I'm fine with not having a lot extra. It's like not a big deal in those spaces. But in Rome, when in Rome, flip it there, no. All right, so, so here's your question, and then I'm gonna give some space for our, uh, I'll, get, I'll tell you in a second. What roads needs to be leveled? And this is, our, this is one of our prayers of the people. By the way, Jay, I just want to say to you, I absolutely loved you doing prayers of the people today. It was so good. So thank you to Jay. What are the roads, if we are the preparers of the way, first in our own hearts, but around us in our homes? What are the roads that God's calling us to be, as Tina said last week, not just people who receive hope, but hope bearers? What are the roads that he's asking us to partner with the body of Christ so that others have access to Jesus? What are the roads in our city? What are the roads in our culture? I think of things like violence. I think of things like racism. I think of things like addiction. I think of things that God can allow us to partner with him. One of the stories of Advent is to work where God's already working instead of us capitalizing on the ideas. An Advent people would notice the work of God and then step into that. Because it's already happening, right? Like, he might know better than I don't, I don't, he might know better than us. So what are the roads in our city, in you, in this body? What are the roads in our body that need to be leveled? I think of some things like a forgiving body. I think of things like a, a, a body that creates space when it's maybe not exactly like you are or somebody sitting next to you that's not exactly like you are, creating a connection there. I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I also want to say to close before somebody comes up, you don't have to go to a river or a lake or the desert to create space for Jesus. You don't have to. The wilderness can be in your bedroom 
as long as the Rome in your life is not allowed in. They weren't taking Rome with them and setting up many Rome so that they could have their comforts. They were leaving it because in that structure they couldn't decipher the voice of God. So what is, what would that look like for you without going into the woods? Would it look like just maybe practicing silence and solitude? Creating a Sabbath rhythm? Would it look like having a prayer cave? Is that what they call it? Prayer cave? Prayer tunnel? I don't know. Prayer cave? Closet? Yeah, all of that stuff. Would it look like a walk for lunch instead of meeting with eight people walking around our city? I don't know. The opportunity's there, and he's smarter than me, and he's inviting, right? He's, John the Baptist's voice is echoing, right? Inviting. Prepare the way. The Messiah is coming right now, right? So I've asked the people that have gone on the ETS retreat, and this, this invite will be extended to people who are part of ETS. And this invite will be extended. What is ETS? Equipping the Saints. It's a group season we did where we traveled through some discipleship. But this is going to be invited to anybody who wants to share how this is, your, this is your question. What have you received in a space created away from Rome that has totally transformed your life? As you've stepped away from things to be with him, what have you received that you can celebrate as a difference maker that you're now bringing back into the rhythms of your life? Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to stand up here. If you'd like to come up, I would love to let you share. get super nervous when I start talking. Um, so uh, some of you guys know Justin and Alita um, Cook. Um, they have been like really good like mom and pops to me and Kamsey. And um, she like challenged me to to basically like disconnect from everything because uh, I started a company super busy all the time, whatever. And for years, literally like 11 years, been my life just traveling back and forth. And um She's like constantly challenged me to just like stop and like would literally like in the middle of meetings, hey, stop, let's just pray. I'm like, God, it's so annoying. Like why? Like right now, like we're whiteboarding stuff. We're like, we're literally, it's, it's insane. And um, one of the things that she told me was that she said I needed to be delivered um, from the God of productivity. And I was like, that is so like spirit. That's my wife, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I need to be delivered from the God of productivity. Um, and so, you know, we went into like a lot of like Holy Spirit, just kind of study halls and sessions, just literally eight hours of just listening to God and um, insane. I, I, I cannot even like begin to describe like the level of clarity, like the purpose wasn't to get business ideas, um, but like the amount of clarity that has just come from like making space. And it's funny because, again, I didn't we didn't know you guys were doing this. This has just been like a thing with Alita um, and me. And so for me, what I've kind of brought out of that is just like the necessity to just like, just disconnect from everything, like no matter what, like in the middle of a meeting or talking to somebody, you know, and just kind of taking some time to decompress. So um, yeah, I got delivered from the God of productivity. Amen. Thanks, Arvid. Um, I think what I got most was a group of people that really cared for me. Um, like I experienced more of God through Joan and Julia in my group than anything else. And I really encountered God through the way that Joan is interacting with God. Um, just really moved me in a totally different way. And the way that Julia literally checks on me every single day and like carries on her anything that's heavy on me with me. Um, and I really needed that. And this group just literally put people around me, even though I was supposed to be leading them. I just decided let's just like they're leading me. So, um, I, that's probably what I've gained most is experiencing like the tangible love of God through human beings in my group, especially all of them. I mean, every single one of them in a totally different way. Um, but thank you to my group for taking care of me and showing me Jesus. 
for the ones who already know you're coming, just go ahead and come. It'll be better for everybody, even if we're waiting in line. Um, The one thing that I would share through the whole season of ETS is the busyness of Rome, as you were talking about. I realized it was stealing what I know God's purpose is on my life. And I was allowing that to happen. And so just the stopping and the pausing and reconnecting with that purpose has been enjoyable. So if you're sitting here and you haven't been a part of ETS, my prayer for the next season would be that you get connected and do it. It's not easy. It's a commitment. It's easy to go and consume church. But participate. Get connected. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, guys, I'm Caleb. I did not go on the retreat, but I did receive something really awesome in my ETS group. We were the Zoom group, one of the Zoom groups. So we're all, you know, very busy and all that. But um, something that I've been kind of like struggling with for a long time is to figure out how to be alone with God uh, for quite a bit. And I feel like um, that was my New Year's resolution this year. I was going to try to go into that. (laughs) And something that was really special was when we talked about silence and solitude as a practice, that people would share how they do it. Um, Particularly one person that um, I I look up to now. um, He's not here. But (laughs) Um, anyway, I I gave him props in the last uh, meeting that we had. But um, it was it was an invitation of let me just kind of paint the picture. So something that that he does is he walks through a park and to a forest and just talks out loud with God and allows God to speak aloud through him to him. Um, and I got to try that a couple times and it's like, holy crap, like that, that really works for me. Like I, I, I can actually feel like I'm interacting with God and, and he's, he is speaking to me um, in like that, in that way. So that's what I received. It's like, I've only done it a couple times. You know, I'm not, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that I, I plan on continuing that practice long-term. Stack them up. Hey, guys. Um, I didn't go on retreat, but since it's Celebration Sunday, I just wanted to celebrate. Our group had just, like, the wildest prayers answered. Just, like, every week someone was like, new job, um, uh, Susan got to go to her son's wedding. Like, we got a house. We're moving. Just, like, answered prayers that I've never been in a group where so many prayers have been answered. Like, we came from a season where we were praying, 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 praying. Nothing was getting answered. And this was just, like, every week we were celebrating something. So just praise God for that. <laughs> two by two, two by two. If you know you're coming, it's just this the lag time, you know? It can happen. You already know you're coming. Don't wait. Here she comes. Jay, go ahead and come. Are you coming too? You coming next? Um, I'm going to sit here. So I kind of just wanted to encourage everybody. Um, your message really spoke to me. Um, I think that the whole thing of drawing away for a really long time um, I know the personality things are like a big deal right now. The I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert, I'm a two, I'm a 12, I'm a 15. Um, And um, I think for a really long time it was like, oh my God, I'm extroverted. I don't need to pull away. I get my life from like being around all these people. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm like, not that I don't like y'all, but um, it just, I get to a certain point, Arvin even knows it, where it's like, and and I think it took me a long time to realize that it was due to not drawing away, it was due to not disconnecting, but extrovert, introvert, love people, hate people, can't stand people, whatever it is, I think 
what we all just need to know is that drawing away, disconnecting is for everybody. Everybody needs it, no matter how much you love people. I'm fairly extroverted. If I don't get some sort of time or some sort of like disconnection or just whether it's just sitting, doing whatever, watching TV, whatever it is, that's probably not what you were saying. Not watching Netflix, but I'm just tr trying to encourage everybody that it is for everybody. Drawing away is for everybody. It will help each and every each and every person here, each and every personality type here. I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. So, yeah. So I didn't go on the retreat either, but um, something that I will take from this season um, with ETS is having intentional time to actually practice Sabbath. I feel like like since we've been introduced to the whole practicing the way stuff so maybe like a good year and a half I've been learning a lot like up here about why Sabbath is important and I've been like yes I need this I'm so tired I'm so um just burned out on just like the pace of life and like I want this and we had tried it as a family a few times before this um ETS group and I think we kind of got stuck in like if we're not doing it the right way, then let's not try um, this week. Okay, like we can't carve out exactly 24 hours, so like we'll just wait until there's a better time. And just having the group and knowing that we would come back together on Monday night and check in about, did you guys try something in the realm of Sabbath? Um, that was like the accountability that we needed. And so um, I would just encourage anybody that like hasn't really given Sabbath a shot yet like just just try um right now we are in uh we're trying to figure out what our traditions are with sabbath caleb printed out some hebrew prayers and uh it's not my jam but um <laughs> he also got a it's in english yes but <laughs> and and uh, and our our poor one-year-old is sitting there waiting for dinner to start going amen 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 like come on dad because um, it's longer than usual prayers. But um, we also have a, a battery-powered candle that goes on on Friday evening and stays on through Saturday night and reminds us that and just when we walk in the living room, this is a holy day, and let's settle in with God. So, yeah, we'll just see where Sabbath goes. But I know it's been really good for our souls and for our family. So, thanks. Here we go. I apologize for the outburst earlier. Some of y'all have probably never heard me laugh like that. There's actually competitions in my house that my children engage in to try to get that out of me. So, yeah, I'm sorry, brother. It was your fault. It's your fault. It was so meta. Y'all have no idea what, what that was about, but I'll tell him later. It was fantastic. Um, so for me, um, it's been a very busy season. Um, it's been a very dry season with the Lord for me. There have been times in my life when he's been so near, and he hasn't been for a while. And that's not his fault, this guy. Um, there's even a point where, uh, this goes a little long, but I read that Mother Teresa had heard the Lord tell her to go to India. And then after she died, when they read her journals, she never heard his voice again for the rest of her life. And she began to wonder, was he real? Or did I just do all he wanted me to do? And me being obedient was good enough. And so there was a fear inside of me that I would not. Like, okay, Lord, if I, if I tasted the nearness and I'm, I'm being obedient, which, but please let me, let me hear from you. So, and I did not want to go on the retreat. No offense to the retreaters and whatnot, but it's been a very busy season. We've been gone every weekend, and I just wanted to be at home with my peeps. And, uh, but I went to the middle of nowhere, 300-acre farm, it's dark, and uh, we had dinner. We prayed. Uh, I was there before most of the retreaters with the staff people because my wife's on staff. And then we went in the corral. So I was like, I have no idea what to expect when I walk in the corral to pray. And it was one of the most magnificent spaces I've been in. I was really shocked. But even besides that, I sat on the front row and I just sat down and uh, 
That's all right, Lord. Let me just pray for the speakers that, that they would be humble and yet confident with what you've given them. And not only did he say, okay, it was like he was nose to nose with me. I could feel the heat of his presence. And I was like, there you are. And it was so overwhelming. He was smiling at me and I was overwhelmed by his goodness. And the only thing that I could think to even match it with was, can I get a level of gratitude that matches your goodness? Because I just began to weep and say how grateful I was. And he just kept saying, you have no idea how excited I am. And I was like, why are you here? I didn't know Roberta Georgia existed. Why, why are you here? And he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm not here for Roberta Georgia. I'm here because y'all are here. And you don't, you, you are full of expectation, but you don't even know what you're expecting because what I have is better. And he was joyful and he was good. I was weeping. And the whole message for the rest of the week was, weekend was solitude, which I got. There was gratitude, which I was like, okay, I guess I was a forebearer of that. And, and there was joy at going out and seeing more stars than I can count and seeing a dozen shooting stars. But it wasn't just with me. It was with my magnificent wife. It was some friends that went out in the middle of a field, smelled something very rotten. <laughs> Please, Lord, don't let it be a corpse. You know, it, it was so awesome. But just hearing their giggling and, their, and the joy, it was just, it was good for my soul. And uh, so I would encourage you do ETS in the spring. Hey. If you're coming next, go ahead and ready yourself. Pre prepare the way. No, I can't not talk. Hi, everybody. Um, I didn't go on the retreat, so I'm going to talk about ETS. Um, I'm looking over here because this is like my group a little bit. We're missing one. Um, ETS was awesome. I loved it and loved getting to know some people I didn't know super well at the time, but now have become really close with. Um, I think the biggest thing that I have gained is just after years of growing up in church, you start to look for like the fruit in your life and you're always like, Am I producing fruit? Am I growing? Am I, like, reaching the next benchmark in Christianity? And I feel like this whole time was, like, just sit and wait for God. And I don't think I had any, like, major breakthroughs. I don't feel like I was healed from something or, like, this major thing happened. But I just learned how to, like, be content in life, which is very big for me because I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my husband um yeah so just like learning that sometimes you're not you're not always bearing fruit and I always wanted to bear fruit I wanted to display something at all times I wanted to produce something and so just learning that it's okay to sit and like the trees outside kind of look dead but they're in a process right now they're in a season of just kind of being complacent and not looking like they're growing, but I can't wait to see like a year from now what the fruit does look like because I'm not expecting it and I'm not, you know, waiting on my life to be nothing but that. So I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for my group who's awesome. Amen. All right, if you're coming after Nancy, go ahead and come up too. I think this follows up really well with what you said because I wasn't going to say anything. Um, so I did go on the retreat and um, yesterday we had time to practice silence and solitude, go off and be alone. And But before that we had had in our group conversation about where do we see God? Where do we meet with him? What is the sweet spot? And in that conversation, every, everyone was saying like mountains, beach, fields, you know, everything nature related. And um, 
So when I was alone with the Lord, he brought that to mind and kind of showed me like as human beings, we are odd in God's creation. We're not running to Las Vegas to go be with God. We're not running to an open stadium and wanting to meet God there. It is in his creation that we are most awed and most wowed by God. And then he pointed out that I am his creation and I am as awesome as the rest of his creation. And that just as none of us can improve upon a mountain, a beach, a field of wildflowers, when man tries to improve any part of his creation, we actually detract from it, we take away from it. And likewise, I can't be improved upon, and I should stop trying. And none of you can be improved upon, and you should stop trying. You can go deeper in the Lord, but you don't need to be improved upon, and I don't need to be improved upon. And that, that was the highlight for me. Amen. That inspired me, that inspired me, but I just feel like coming from a season of deep grief and mourning um, with losing spiritual mother, um, I feel like I got to a point this week probably where I felt like numb and like tired of feeling this deep sadness all the time. And so going into retreat, um, like I was sharing with Amanda, it's like, I. We went into silence and solitude, and I just like laid there, and I'm like, I got nothing, I got nothing, and um, yeah, and I feel like when something like this happens, like the tendency is to want to doubt like the goodness of God. Um, the enemy wants you to not believe that, or like we sing the songs, and it's like, but wait, didn't this happen? Um, and, you know, I sing, like, a lot of times in faith of, like, no, I know you're still good. Like, I know this. Um, but I think in retreat, I saw his goodness just so much in just in the fact that I got to go and the fact that I can just be, like, you shared yesterday um, with what you were thankful for is just, like, I'm seen. And I'm, like, I'm seen by a bunch of people who are just, like, see me as good enough, whether or not, like, I have anything to offer whether or not I'm just completely numb or a zombie or just ridiculous and um making stupid jokes and saying bad words sometimes <laughs> um, <laughs> um that I <laughs> like just really yeah I see his I've seen his goodness like through in so many moments of like with Katie and um Julie and and my small group and just how they are so accepting and so like they see things in me like in me and they're just these amazing women um and who like just love me and just like let me be and I think that's a theme um just in this church in general but on retreat too is just like I can just be me like I can just breathe I can just be whatever I am and that's enough um and so yeah I feel like um God was just really, really sweet. And even though I didn't necessarily have, like, yesterday with the silent solitude, I was just laying there in the field and then see, like, these hawks surrounding me. So I'm like, I should probably get up. Um, and I wanted to find a tree, but I found this big rope thing leading up to, and then I went and, like, because I've, yeah, I've been having moments with Jesus lately where he's a mama bear and I'm wearing a tree. And so I'm like, I want to find a tree, but I found this rope thing and had regards, but felt him there. And then, um, going into last night and hearing everybody's heart and just like yeah it was just, it, that that's really what moved me is just hearing what everybody had to say and um 
the goodness, like knowing that they know we've experienced the goodness of God. We have things to be grateful for and we have things to expect even that haven't come to pass. And then I got that moment where it was like I got broken through a hug from Amanda. And yeah, so I just really, really, really am thankful for the goodness of God through every single one of um of everybody here, but especially on retreat, just getting to experience just his goodness, his kindness, his sweetness, his like your enoughness. Like that's, I really love River City for that. And I love the retreat for that. thing that my experience with ETS did was it really helped me get to know a lot of a lot more people here on a more personal basis. Um, one of the things that I took away though um, was um, in learning was that um, you know being a disciple um, takes some work and some practice and um, one of the things that I took away from um, the group and uh, what we discussed was um, having the feeling the presence of God just during the day. And so <clears throat> um, when, I'm, when I'm working, I get so wound up in work. I mean, I just, I just own everything out. And you can ask my wife about that because she's seen me work from home here for the last couple of months. So I started making an, uh, an effort uh, to um, two or three times a day just to completely stop what I'm doing. Um, walk outside on the deck because, you know, we have a nice deck that faces outdoors and just uh, spending some time in prayer. It didn't take much, 10 or 15 minutes uh, out, of, out of my work day, but um, I am just really amazed in how uh, much it's paid off in, in dividends and uh, closeness to, to God and feeling his presence more throughout the day. share mine and then we can sing the doxology unless somebody wants to run up and grab the mic mine was on prayer this time and one of the things about the Lord's prayer that I'll never forget is that it starts with orientation before intercession our father in heaven it's a reminder that prayer doesn't start with my asking it starts with recognizing who he is and where I'm at and every day I write down OBI OB orientation before intercession and I spend time, it's just a part of me now. I, I don't have to write it down. And that came from kind of deep diving with the guys in my group. And I think that stuck out for all of us. And it, I think it changed the way, the way I even desire to ask. Before the asking felt like, you got to do this. And now the asking feels like, I trust you. Yeah, I trust you. So I'm super thankful. give this one because it just felt awkward but I came on Thursday night and we were praying for people so we had a list of everyone that was showing up and we were praying through what we wanted to see God do and I just kept seeing the beaver's face like I saw you guys as a family worshiping with your baby and I knew you weren't coming so I didn't understand why I just kept seeing your face over and over all weekend and so I was trying to press into that and ask God like they're not even here. Like, what are you doing? Um, and I feel like it was God one saying that he's inviting like the whole family into his presence and that he delights in you specifically as a family and that he sees you guys. And then on the last day, I felt this invitation just broadening out that like for people who didn't come to ETS and that feeling that you get of like FOMO of, okay, you just had this divine experience because you were in the middle of nowhere. Just that while we were in the room and we were had our eyes tuned to like one another that God had his eye on you guys and so for everyone that wasn't there like you weren't missed like God saw you and he saw you in worship and he saw you in prayer and he saw you in companionship with him and so just that like that invitation is open to you like Josh said like if it looks like being in your room that's your retreat and 
just that he loves you. So I just wanted to say God delights in your family and he sees you in fullness and happiness and joy. And you guys were just really beautiful and you were on my heart all weekend. So So I have to say this too now that that just happened. Last night all during worship, literally the same thing she just said for y'all. All night during worship. Sorry, I got one more to you. So when we were there Thursday night, I just was trying to pray for everyone coming and just something happened to me, James can attest to, when I was praying for Ray. And it was the craziest experience. Um, James had to help walk me to the corral because I knew it was time, but God was showing me that Ray is this warrior um, and just covered in joy and um, it was just the most beautiful experience to see how God sees you, right? I can't even barely see you now, but um, it just encouraged me so much that God, for each and every single person, I mean, I didn't have time to pray for every person, but God highlighted, right? So we just we just went there, and for the people, other people I was supposed to pray for their apartments, I just said, okay, God, just take care of them because you're doing something with Ray. And I don't know if anything happened for you this weekend, but God was just walking me through, almost seeing you as a kid, and, and then until now, and I saw you coming out of the water covered in the blood of Jesus as this huge warrior, um, just with armed with joy. And it was like the most beautiful invitation from God to me to just say, you know, I'm so up to something and I'm not finished with any of these stories and any of these people, even the people that didn't sign up for ETS because they couldn't, but their spouses were in it. Or even if you join church late and you've been intrigued by what's happening, like God was still moving in our church as a whole through what's happening in ETS. It wasn't just for the people. Um, and I just got fed like felt so inspired by how much more God is up to than what we even are aware of. And that really encouraged me and set the tone for my posture um, to come into the retreat, expecting God to really move in a super powerful way. So thanks for coming, Ray. (laughs) So if you'll stand with me. For those that didn't jump jump into an ETS group or go on the retreat, I pray that you wouldn't feel any type of um, awayness, but that you would feel an invitation in the next season to jump into as much as you can. And if you can't, God's still working. And He will work. He's faithful. He's faithful and He is good. You know what we're about to do. Do you? Wow, the reverb is hot. I was going to sing Jesus, we love you, but I won't switch it up on you today. We're going to do doxology. Here we go. Ready? That did not sound convincing. Are you ready? (laughs) So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Here below, praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Last time, all you got to praise God from whom all blessings
Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.